Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. I love talking about real estate investing. I think it's one of the most exciting things for a lot of people, and it's by far one of the biggest purchases you will ever make in your entire life. There's a lot that goes into it, and that's why I was so excited to bring on today's guest, Katie McFerrin. Katie is such a rock star. She is a Boise native as well, so we get to chat a little bit about Boise market, but of course, the tips are going to be applicable to anybody, no matter what city you're living in. Before I dive into a little bit more about Katie and her background, I have to share with you a really great money win. This money win comes from Chad in the private Facebook group, Manage Your Money Like a Boss. Chad says, money wins. What a crazy year. Truly, Chad, it has been a crazy year. Um, We have been saving all of our earnings from our garage conversion to a B&B. Officially have paid both of our cars off and all of our credit cards. Only have our mortgage and solar. What a feeling. Gonna celebrate with a glass of sparkling water. Hashtag money win. Chad, I am crazy proud of you. I have loved watching how you took your garage and converted that into an Airbnb. And more than anything, I think it was that spirit of hustle and just willing to do things differently and give up some of your garage space to bring in some extra income. Like, way to go, man. I think that's such an incredible thing to see. And it's definitely something we should all be taking notes on is thinking through how do we be a little bit more creative when it comes to our existing resources to help us achieve our financial goals. So congrats again to you, my friend. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Katie. Katie McFerrin is an award-winning, top-producing Boise realtor with over $80 million in sales in the Treasure Valley. She specializes in luxury real estate. She also understands the value of investing in real estate and personally owns multiple rental income properties and an Airbnb. I really loved talking with Katie. She shares a wide variety of really helpful tips when it comes to real estate investing and Airbnbs. In this episode, you're going to learn why Katie chooses to invest in property before her personal wants. I related to this girl so much in this area, so for me, I was fist pumping so hard. We also go into a little bit of a conversation around getting into Airbnb. Katie has a really popular Airbnb here in the Boise area that's super, super cute. I actually discovered it through Instagram, which is one of her marketing tactics as well. So we talk about how do you market an Airbnb and what types of costs do you expect when renting on Airbnb, how to find and get started with your own fix and flip. If you've been dying to do like your own HGTV type stuff, where you're like, that looks like so much fun. I want to try this. She shares some really great tips on how to do this. We talk about why Katie believes real estate opportunities are truly everywhere. Now, this was interesting to me because if you know anything about the Boise market that I personally live in, our real estate here is kind of crazy. It's getting a little bit out of control and wages are not keeping up with the housing. It's it's really interesting. So our market's pretty crazy. And I have definitely caught myself saying a few times like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I bought my house when I did because I don't know if I'd be able to afford it now, which further illustrates that I have a mindset issue I need to work through. And I loved her her advice of, yeah, there's opportunities literally everywhere. So don't feel like you can't still invest in real estate. 
Easy ways to add value to your property. If this is something you've been thinking about, she shares a couple tips on how to make your, your own properties more valuable and making unorthodox life choices for the sake of real estate investing. I enjoyed this conversation with Katie so much. I thought it was super, super interesting. And I am really excited for you to listen into the episode. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from today's sponsor. I don't know what it was, but when I hit 30, that's when I started to really start thinking about my future and what happens when I die and all of that stuff. And it's a little bit somber, I I get it, but it's important work. For a lot of people, life insurance is truly the difference between being able to grieve and not have to worry about a ton of the financial obligations and having to go back to work too soon. Like It's a really, really big deal. And I know that men generally have more life insurance than women, and typically it's twice the amount of coverage. So it's a huge discrepancy. And one of the companies that is working really hard on fixing this is Jenny Life. Jenny Life wants to shrink that gap. And it doesn't matter if you're a working mom or a single mom or an expecting mom, maybe you're single or maybe your kids are like my kids and have four legs and they happen to be furry and bark a lot. (laughs) Regardless of what your situation is, you need life insurance. That's where Jenny Life comes in. Here's something crazy. Before Jenny Life, if a pregnant woman wanted life insurance, she'd actually have to use her pregnancy weight. And that usually equates to higher rates. Or even at one time in the United States, it was illegal, illegal for women to own a life insurance policy. Like what? Isn't that nuts? Jenny Life is doing a really great job. They make it fast and easy for women to know their families will be taken care of with life insurance that's uniquely built for your needs. With Jenny Life, you can get your life insurance policy without blood work or unnecessary red tape, and you can do it all online from the comfort of your home. Here's how it works. They ask you five simple questions. They curate plans from dozens of A-rated insurance carriers, and it gives you a personalized budget-friendly life insurance quote in seconds. For example, a healthy 32-year-old woman can get a half a million dollars in coverage for about a dollar a day without ever stepping into a doctor's office. It's so critical that women take control of their finances, and life insurance is one of those pieces that is going to give you a lot more peace of mind in your future. So it's super, super important. And I definitely believe that life insurance is something that every woman should have in place because every family deserves a secure financial future. So take a few minutes to get your Jenny Life policy right now. Visit JennyLife.com slash money nerds to get a free quote right now. That's JennyLife.com slash money nerds for your life insurance quote today. Again, JennyLife.com slash money nerds. Okay, now back to the show. All right, Katie, thank you so much for hanging out. Yes, thanks for having me. I am so stoked. So we connected through Instagram because you are a local Boise gal too, right? Yes. Yes. And I I love following you and all of your, your inspiration and knowledge. And I mean, I've gotten so much out of it. So I think you do an amazing job. I thank you. I, I do appreciate that a lot. And your Instagram is pretty awesome too. But before we officially hit record, you were telling me that you are of the mindset that you'd rather spend your money on properties instead of maybe on yourself or nicer cars or your own personal home. So, okay. Talk to me a little bit about that mindset. Where did that come from? I think just having the, you know, living simple. I've always feel like to me, you know, a simple lifestyle is all I need. We did traveling overseas for a year and I lived out of a carry on suitcase. Our whole, we took our kids. My husband was working on a film project And I came back from that and I think it just changed my mindset, realizing like I could be happy with so little and 
ultimately the goal in my life would be freedom, just to have the flexibility to, to explore, to travel, to experience for me has always been more important than things. I, I love experiences. So I think that inspired me to put my head down and work hard and be able to find ways to build more uh, passive income so that we could eventually have a lifestyle where we have more flexibility and freedom. So, mm. so I wondered, so it's, is it location freedom that you're striving for? I think work, just, you know, work, work smarter, work less. So I, <laughs> yep. I think the goal would be to um, not have to grind, you know, every day the rest of my life. So I would love to potentially retire early and do more traveling. And for, for us, it's it's something we enjoy doing as, our fam- as a family and the kids just get to see different cultures and people. And so for me, real estate has allowed an opportunity like nothing else I've experienced to be able to build wealth and build, um, just passive income. Hmm. Tell us a little bit about, so you, you're a real estate agent and then you're also real estate investing. So what was your, your draw to real estate investing? Like, were you an agent first and then an investor or how did that work? Actually, I mean, my grandpa was a broker in California growing up. So I saw him, you know, buy apartments and and do things with his, his money that he made from real estate. And I think it always was inspiring, inspiring to me to say, gosh, if you really, put your head down and focus. You can do a lot in a short amount of time. So I, we got a little, um, very small inheritance from my husband's, uh, grandma when she passed away. And, you know, some other siblings bought bigger things, you know, like a trip or a car. And I was like, if we could just buy our first rental house, you know, let's put all that money into rental. So we did that. And we lost like every month, I think we were going in the whole like $200 a month just to buy this rental, but I knew it would be worth it if we could just like scrounged together. And, um, so we did that. And then, um, kind of that just got me excited about what we put a little bit of work into it ourselves and and realized like, gosh, we now have a lot of equity in this home. And then from there, um, when we traveled, I had this idea of like, if I could come back and get my license and then be able to maybe just buy one house a year, I mean, once sell one house a year, just, that was kind of my goal. And I think it's just, you get into it and it's so exciting and the opportunities, I'm a real opportunist. I'm always like pivoting, like what's, you know, what, what opportunities out there. And it just got me so excited that kind of turned into more of like a full-time career. (laughs) Um, Yes. And then we bought our first house in the North end. Um, It's been about 20 years ago and, you know, our, we kind of fixed it up, lived in it for four years. Then I always my mindset was like, instead of buying a more expensive house, I tried to buy a house that was the same price, but just needed more work. So So we were able to not change our mortgage, but yet move up in lifestyle by, you know, we, after that four years of working on our first house in the North end, we had enough equity, like 60,000 equity to put into this next house. And then, but the mortgage ended up staying the same and then did that on this one, that next one, fixed it up, put it into the next house. So now we're kind of in our forever home in the North end, but our mortgage hasn't changed since that first house we bought, you know, we, it's almost paid off now, but we've probably tripled in value on it. So you realize just making those decisions instead of really um, trying to get bigger and better. I think I've just always thought about like, I don't want to have, be mortgage poor. I want yeah. to build equity and be in a look. And I buy properties really based on location too. Just really loving mm-hmm. the location has helped us to build quick equity. Are you doing this all like in the same area? Or are you traveling for these properties? Like, how do you structure that? This is all, I mean, we, the ones that we own personally were in the North end and then all the other homes that we have are in Boise. 
So all of our properties, and I tend to have certain areas I like to buy just because I've seen the equity go up really quickly in certain areas. So I'm drawn probably to invest in certain locations um, where I feel like they're, you know, close to downtown. um, They're in a good neighborhood, but maybe just needs one of the homes needs a little bit of work. So um, yeah, just, and we've gotten a lot of off-market deals and then just being in real estate, you know, you see things come up and if it's a good opportunity, you don't have time to even think. I mean, you just have to jump on it. The house I bought like two weeks ago, I called my husband. I'm like, I bought a house today. <laughs> Stop <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. No, he NBD, like, man. No. Like, I'm like, do you want to come and see it? He's like, I don't care. It's fine. I'm like, <laughs> That's it's so you. freaking awesome. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I didn't think... see that one, but um, <laughs> we're working on that right now. So yeah, it's fun. That's so you cool. Have to jump on it. You have to have like it does take a little bit of like guts to sometimes it's scary and you don't know. It's like buying a used car. Some are great and then some other ones you're like, shoot, that was more what work did I get myself I into. Yeah. How do you okay, so and this might be a little bit too personal, but I'm curious from a financial standpoint. I understand you you live in the houses, it's kind of like a fix and flip where you live mm-hmm. in it for a while. Mm-hmm. For the ones that you don't, how the mm-hmm. heck do you finance that? Do you like have to have like a killer income or is there ways around that? I mean, I think what's worked for us the way it's, and I do think that you make all your money on the buy side. I'm a big believer in that. So if you buy right, you will kind of almost instantly have equity in your home. So when we bought our first property, you know, we jumped on it and I knew the second we bought that, I'm like, we probably already have 20,000 equity just right when we bought it. It was a really good deal. Crazy. Um, And then once you put in a little bit of work into it, it's just, I mean, our first home, I mean, it was a tiny little 900 square foot house in downtown Boise. All of our friends were buying out in Nampa and these gorgeous big houses and, um, you know, totally brand new four, four bedrooms and three car garage. And we just got this dinky little 900 square foot house in the North end. But in the course of that four years, our equity, you know, went up a ton. So just by putting in very little, I mean, I think we only in that first house, we probably put in like five to 10,000, maybe. I mean, oh, it was just very cheap, very like paint, you know, paint yeah. and a, a little bit of landscaping. And we were able to make, you know, a chunk of money on that one. I think we, and, and if you could pull out, so what, to answer your question, I think that if you have equity, then you can pull out a HELOC on it is one way to do it. So, um, and I never do that as a long-term, I would just be a short-term thing where you pull it out to, to purchase something and then you can get a loan on it. So we've been able to do it that way, but you know, it took us kind of, you, it takes some time to build that. So I think we had to have to know that it's going to be a process. So I always just looked for stuff that was really, to be honest, like that's how we made it is just find really good deals and, and wait for it and be patient and, and be willing to maybe buy something someone else wouldn't be willing to buy. So (laughs) yeah, that, that worked for us. I like that. I, and okay. I've heard this a lot too. And I, I I completely believe you when you say don't use HELOC for long-term projects, that's kind of a bad strategy for somebody that doesn't understand why, can you explain why you're of that mindset or like why you wouldn't want to necessarily do that? Yeah. Well, I just think like you said, I mean, I don't ever want to put myself in a situation financially that's going to, um, be like a, a payment that we can't afford. That's, that's a flexible, you know, it's not a sure interest rate. And, and so at the most I would maybe borrow it for five months. Yeah. Um, like right now, you know, so if you're working on, let's say a flip and you have equity in your home, a lot of people have equity in their homes right now mm-hmm. to go and buy a car or to go and buy a vacation. I would never do that. Even to work on my own house, I would never do that. But if I know it's a means of just short-term cash to be able to make some more money, I think it makes sense. But um, yeah, it has to be, for the right reasons, for sure. And, and a lot of the, you know, and with the homes that we, 
we now own um, nine rentals and you you can start to, and once you start fixing those up, then you do have a lot of equity in those projects so that you can kind of move money around a little bit or you can use it if you need to. A lot of times right now you do need cash to buy really good deals. Like the house we just bought two weeks ago was a cash deal. And so to make it happen fast, you have to have cash and then you can get a loan on it after you, you know, if you decide to keep Got it as a it. rental. So we did that recently. We own, we, uh, we're we working on a project in the North End and that's how we did that one too. It was like you buy cash, but then you get a loan after you buy it. How does that process work? So I haven't done that yet, but I've been mm-hmm. interested in a lot of the deals that I want would mm-hmm. need to be cash deals, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So you tap into your HELOC, you buy the, the property mm-hmm. and then you immediately refinance. Is that the case? Yeah. And so the rate's a little bit higher. I want to say sometimes there's like a, a rate penalty of like, um, I want to say it's like maybe 1% higher, but oh. sometimes for me, I'm like, if I know I instantly have equity in that home of maybe $20,000, it's going to be worth it, you know, to do it. And then another option is I think if you hold it for six months and then you get, then you refinance it, you get to do the appraised value at that point. So mm-hmm. if you did put a little bit of work into it during that six months, you actually could end up it, having a little extra money at that point once you buy it, if that makes sense. So it's, yeah. it just depends on how you structure it. That makes sense. I, I like that. Okay. So you've got some that you are living in, some that you are in Airbnb. This is how I discovered you on Instagram, my friend, oh, okay. your cute little Airbnb. Oh, so yeah. tell me a little bit about how you got into Airbnbs. Like, is this like your go-to strategy or is this just like a fun side hustle for you? They do. I mean, kind of more of a fun, fun side hustle. I think when we did that trip abroad, my husband was working on a film project in India and then it, it was a nonprofit and then it ended up turning into this, uh, I used the money that I had made in real estate for a year and we just traveled abroad for a year and we stayed in a lot of Airbnbs. So we had been, I think we stayed in like 95 different places. So I, different homes are, and I loved the experience with my kids being in a home away from home. And so I always thought, gosh, if we could do that when we get back, that'd be so fun. And we had a rental that did get a little bit run down. It had been the same renters had been in it for like 10 years. And when they moved out, I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to Mm -hmm. fix it up. So we um, put in some money and then just furnished it and made it look as cute. And I was kind of debating, like, should I sell this? Should I keep it? And we just thought we'd try it and see. But for me, it's been a great resource in terms of real estate with a lot of people coming into town and needing an agent. And so that's also been a great, a great tool for me. And then having somewhere I can send clients if they want to stay there is nice. And it's done really well. I mean, I think if we rented it, you know, just at a regular market value, it would be like maybe only renting for like 13 to 1500, but then with it furnished, you can make a little bit more, mm. but having it on Airbnb, I mean, in the, in the summer months, it was making like 4,000 a month. Holy um, crap. Yeah. So it does really well. It does really well. Dang. Okay. And I, I know some of, I'm going to have to link to your Airbnb in the show notes. Cause I think it's, it's so dang cute, but oh. you made it such an Instagrammable spot. And this is where I was like, God, that's genius. Where did you get the inspiration for like, okay, I'm going to do this like really funky fun wall. Oh. Like, how did you come across that? Well, my husband is an artist, thankfully, which is helpful. <laughs> so, and he's, he is amazing and helpful in all areas. So I was just coming up, we talked about it. I'm like, I just wanted something that's going to stand out. Cause now there are, I mean, there's tons, the market is a little bit flooded with Airbnbs. And, um, I think you just have to have something that feels like it stands out and, and is clean. And, and, and when we stay places, I do love it, a place that feels homey and isn't just like a sterile, like a part, like a hotel feel. I, I do think it feels cozy. So my, 
my brother, he does the Boise Boys show. He, he, um, Luke does a designer and we, I think it's just in our blood. We all love design, we love real estate. Yeah. So he, I was like, can you help me? So we went one day and went and looked for a bunch of like antique stuff. We went thrifting and found, I'm a big thrift store. So you, I'm like you in that sense. I love yes. the thrift store. Um, so he, we found some fun pieces to add, which I, I love that. That's so cool. I think I just, I love everything that you're up to. So for being a successful Airbnb, like let's talk through some of the, the costs. Like I, I know mm-hmm. Airbnb takes a fee, but what are the costs if somebody wants to do this? Should they be expecting? I mean, it's not, it's not bad to be honest. I feel like the costs are pretty minimal, probably less than having a rental because you know, <laughs> the wear and tear is pretty lightly used. Um, I, there's a cleaning fee and usually what you pay your cleaner versus a cleaning fee. I mean, it's, it's usually extra you'll have, you know, and if you do your own cleaning, you make that extra profit, which might be a hundred dollars a stay, um, for ours. So, um, but yeah, just, I mean, you having it furnished, it is, it is a little bit of a work to get it up and running. You know, it takes my brother just uh, started another Airbnb. I was just with him last week and I went and we were, we, in a weekend, we were like, let's finish up this project and get everything. And you do, there's a lot of details, you know, doing a whole kitchen. So it's like everything trying to just basically think like, if I stayed here, what would I need? So the cheese grater and the iron and the, all that stuff, but I'm pretty budget. So I kind of set in my mind, like, I don't want to spend more than, you know, $10,000 $10,000 to furnish everything and, and you can do it. It's just, it is, you know, being thoughtful about what you buy and what's worth spending money on. And yeah, but, it makes sense. Have you reached out to any like sponsors to help like Casper mattress for your I house? I mean, that's not a bad idea. I think I'm always like so rushed and like a last minute, like, <laughs> totally. I got to get this done next week and I'm not even having started yet. So yeah, not, no, not, 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 not yet. Planner, but that's smart. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. So tell me a little bit more about fix and flips. Like you're an agent, so you get access to a lot of this stuff, but for somebody that does want to get into this, maybe they have some equity in their home currently, let's say a hundred thousand dollars or so. And they're looking to do a fix and flip where they Mm -hmm. do not want to live in it. Right. What are, what, where do they start? Is it with an agent or how do we even get our, I mean, I always tell people like, contact a lender first and basically find out like, do you have enough equity to put? Cause I usually right now it's, if it's a second if non-owner occupied, it's going to be between 20 and 25% down. So it's kind of working backwards of like how much cash can, can you find how much, you know, do you have enough equity to put 20% down on a, on a house and then kind of working backwards and saying, okay, well then you can only, we can only look for something that's 300,000 because you, that's all you have to put down. And then once you, we find something, it's also kind of figuring out, what will this cost to put into it? And I think that's the biggest thing is like, you really have to know that it, it, it usually costs more than you think, you know, it's expensive. <laughs> so what I'm doing right now, we, um, I mean, we had to put a new roof on, there's a pool, we had to have the whole pool redone. Um, and you know, HVAC system, if it's not working, there's just a lot of details. So, um, I think once you get one under your belt, you do, you learn a lot just by doing it. And if you can partner with somebody the first time, I would say that's the best bet is like find somebody that's done it and say like, can we partner on it? Or can I be, you know, help bring in some funds for the fixer up part and you actually buy the house or a way to be, or maybe even like you just do some of the work and then bring value in that sense. And they'll give you a portion of the proceeds. So, yeah. I love that. I think it, it makes a ton of sense too. With you mentioned the property that you have now with the pool and all of the mm-hmm. extra work. Mm-hmm. If that's new to you and you have to make a quick decision, like how the hell do you make that decision that quickly? Like that would scare the crap out of me a little bit. I know. Well, 
you have, you know, I think you surround yourself with people that know what they're doing a little bit. And, and in the process, you know, I do have um, trusted um, contractors and subcontractors and friends that have done it. So I could also, you know, in that moment, like this one that I found, I knew it was a good deal. It would, it, it was going to take some work, but I didn't know, I knew it would be like probably, you know, I'm like, is this going to be a hundred thousand dollar flip or is this going to be a $50,000 flip? And you have to just kind of run the numbers and see what makes sense. And then talk to, you know, you have your due diligence period. So I always tell people like the hardest part is getting under contract. If you can get it under contract, then you have that seven to 10 business days to do your due diligence. So if at that point you're like, gosh, this is way more than I expected. I had no idea that the roof was going to have to get replaced. I mean, then you're going to have to get back out of the deal. So your earnest money, which is usually 1% down is refundable through that due diligence period, which is typically seven to 10 business days. So that's your time to kind of figure it out. Like, can I get this done? And is it possible? And then, you know, some, some flips are just, maybe it's the, the best route is just to do a very simple, you know, paint and very minimal. And then there's others where it's like, it's going to take a lot more to invest in, but the, the profit will be a lot better. Mm, okay. That makes sense. I I'm with you so far. So with the contractor piece, I happen to know, like for us here in Boise, it is crazy how yeah. quickly houses are moving and how many offers yeah. people have on one property. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's like wild. So when you're trying to get contractors, I can imagine they are slammed right now. How do you get a call back? That's one thing. <laughs> how do you yeah. start to like build up your, your team there? Yeah. I mean, I, I think a good inspector is a, a number one, like where you start with and like on this one that I bought off market, you know, I'll have him come in real quick and just say, what, what are your overall thoughts? Like, does it seem like, you know, the foundation state, there's big, big ticket items that, you know, are like, gosh, if it's, if it's a foundation issue, I don't even know if I can stick with this one because it might be too much work. Um, but sometimes things aren't as bad as people think. Like, um, we bought a duplex, and it was actually one that was on MLS and it was a really good deal. I saw it and I was like, this is going to be gone today. I just knew it. Like the second I saw it come up, I'm like, it's going to be gone today. So I called and, and when I, we got in and to do the inspection, I got under contract. I mean, there was mold and all the undersheeting and, and the roof would have had to be replaced. But when I looked at the numbers, I was like, gosh, even if I have to put 20,000 into this, like this is an amazing deal. So sometimes you have to have that mindset of just does it make sense after you put that in? Are you still in a good place? And for me on that one, it was like, oh gosh, it still would be great. Even if I had to put 50 into it, I still would be in a really good situation. So it really is such as property specific and also location specific because, you know, some people can over uh, beautify a house or they do it too much to a house and not the best area. So you really have to make sure that it's a good location that can um, get that value back. So the comps are really important. How do you know a good location? I know that's kind of like a silly thing, but what if you are new to an area and you're mm-hmm. not familiar, but you want to do this? Like, how do you yeah. pinpoint those? I mean, I think, like I said, the comps are really important, but I just from living, being in Boise, my whole, yeah, we, we were born and raised here. So I've been here forever. And I think you do just kind of learn those areas that are like very sought after and then working with clients for so long. I mean, what are, where they're drawn, if it's by um, something that is a, like even like anything close to downtown on the bench, obviously those are all great, but a lot of people right now can't afford, you know, to flip in like Nampa and Caldwell, those are getting a lot more popular because they're still somewhat affordable and, you know, they're darling, they're doing so much. So I, I do think that the time now would be to get a little bit outside, maybe even like Emmett, um, those little towns that are surrounding, um, 
Boise and Meridian. I think those are the spots. Like the, I, I, if I really do. I mean, I don't, I don't, I think it's worth it. And they are kind of like hit and miss on the name. You have to be careful about where, but I do think those are good areas to go. I totally agree with you too. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. all of your, your plan for real estate investing, is it all single family residents? Do you anticipate going into like commercial resident or commercial properties or what's your, what's your plan there? I would, I mean, we have some that are like the duplex, fourplex type of home uh, rentals, but I would love to do um, something bigger at some point, like a smaller apartment. I've this year, I actually sold to an investor, two gorgeous um, apartments in the, in downtown and they were amazing. I was like, okay, if I, I, I would love to find them totally. <laughs> but someday we'll see when that happens maybe. But um, yeah, I think that those are nice to be able to have one, you know, one property and, and not have to, that's the one part about having different homes is it, it can be a little bit of the maintenance in terms of just a home versus an apartment. Makes sense. Tell me about your first ever fix and flip one that maybe you weren't even living in. How did that process go for you? Was there any like hellish things that you wish you would have known at that point? I mean, we're, I'm just such, I was so frugal because we didn't, you know, trying to figure out a way to do it so cheap. And sometimes it can be exhausting because it's like trying to find, go to second chance and, <laughs> and go to a restore and look on Craigslist. And, um, but in the long run, I mean, it paid off. I think, I just think we were so unaware of, um, I didn't have a good inspector at that point, probably looking back, you know, I didn't really know what to look for. I didn't know what the big, the big red flags would be. Thankfully it wasn't, it was mostly cosmetic. And those are the things like cosmetic issues are easy. Um, but yeah, the one that we bought, I mean, it did need a ton. We ended up like taking down walls, moving the kitchen for the, oh, cause wow. that's the one that we used for the Airbnb. That was our first, our first rental we brought. Oh, that was your first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So we've had that one for, I think it's been like 12 years now. Yeah. It's a long time. Do you find yourself getting sentimental with properties? I mean, our own home, I do, but other stuff, <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of like, I would buy and sell. I, I don't get, I, I, mm-mm. but I do find myself getting like addicted to buying homes. Like, I'm like, wait, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I always, am like, oh gosh, I wish I could get this, you know, and my brother's the same way. It's like, once you get in, it does get exciting to find something that's like, oh, I see potential in this, or this seems like a good opportunity, you know? I love your, your mindset too. So one, one thing that's really coming to mind, cause I, it's funny, you're, you're seeing so many opportunities everywhere. And I hear the other side where people are like, can't even buy a house anywhere around Boise, yeah. but yet you're still able to find a lot of opportunities. Do you think that's a mindset thing? Or is that like an exposure to the industry thing? I do. I think there's always opportunity personally. And I think that if you look hard enough, you can find deals in, in any market. I mean, of course there's limited inventory right now. Um, but I mean, you can knock on doors, you can, you know, neighbors or family members and, um, partner with somebody maybe that's already found something. There's just so many different avenues and there's, there's just so many houses out there. I mean, I drive down streets. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love, that would be so cute to do. I wish I could find, you know, you're always looking and we bought, I mean, just, just to give inspiration to people that are, you know, not in the business. I mean, when we bought our house in the North end, I knocked on the door. I didn't even have my real estate license yet. You did. And I was like, I love your house. If you ever sell your house, you know, I don't even know if we could afford it, but would you, would you call me? And she's like, well, do you want to come inside and look? And I was like, yes. yes. And, and <laughs> the only reason I saw it was we were driving by and there was this grandma that was walking out with a turquoise typewriter to the Idaho youth ranch truck. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that turquoise typewriter. 
And then we walked in and I mean, it was all original mid-century. I mean, it had the original turquoise oven. Everything was like untouched. It kind of was like madman. Like you walked in, it was just all original. And I, I was like, I love your house. If you, you know, and she goes, well, I'm so glad you like it. Cause you know, my kids don't like the style of it. And, and if I ever sell it, I'll call you. So t- it was two years later, two years. She, I, I gave her my number. I never talked to her again, just that one time. And we were on a trip in California and she called me and she's like, I don't know. Her agent called me and she goes, I don't know if you remember Barbara, but she decided to sell. And she said she had promised you that she would ask you first. So if you want it, you can have the first, you know, we're going to list it on Monday. I was like, oh my gosh. So we came back and I was like, I don't even know if we can do this. Like we don't have enough money. We have to sell our house first. And you know, the other, so we told her, we're like, well, we would love to buy it, but we don't know if we can make it happen. She goes, well, she'll sell it to you and she'll give you 60 days to sell your house. So we literally came home that weekend, what? cleaned our house out, put it on the market like that, like within three days of coming home from California and we're able to sell that one in order to buy this other one. And our, once again, our payments say the exact same. It was, we ended up buying it for actually less than we sold our house for. So, that is so it, wild. Yeah. It worked out. Holy crap. Okay. Is the 60 days to sell your own place? Is that like a normal contingency or is that like pure? No, I mean, no one, no one would, I feel like that'd be really hard to have somebody do that. But now <laughs> I, I, do was too. Like, I was just grateful. Cause I, I, I felt like, and she was like, I really, you know, I think she was, it was meant to be, but there was backup offers that were over asking. And she still was like, I want you to have the house. So we were so grateful oh. and we stayed in touch. We let her do a 10 month rent back from us for no cost. So it was kind of like, we found a way to make it work. And I think that's one thing I've learned in real estate is like problem solving and trying to find, there's usually always a way to make things work. And if it's a win-win for both people, then that's what I always want to, I want to find a deal. That's like, we both walk away feeling good about it. That's so dang cute. I think that's awesome that she probably remembered you because you made that personal connection of you really loved her home. And I mean, who wants to sell their house to somebody that doesn't care about it? So right. I, I can see how that would be she like so impactful. So, and we were like friends. Yeah. She's so, she had meant so much and she had three kids she had raised there and we had three kids and we were, we actually grew up on the same block in the North end. So she's like, I love that you, you grew up in the same, the same part of town. So it was, it was just a, it worked out really well. I'm grateful. So I always think, I think that gives me that mindset and maybe even just that one, experienced has empowered me to realize like you can go out there and, and, and look and find, and if it's meant to be, it'll happen, you know? So true. Mm -hmm. So true. So you've been an agent for how long now officially? I think it's almost 10 years. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. Super long time. Mm -hmm. When, as you've been an agent for so long, have you, I can imagine there's a difference between like a general agent if you're just trying to buy your first ever home versus mm-hmm. somebody that knows a little bit more about investing. Mm-hmm. Is is that what you specialize in now? Is it helping? I actually invest- specialize in luxury real estate, so I sell a lot of um, luxury and sweet, um, but a lot of luxury real uh, clients also are investors. So yeah. you know, for me as an agent, I think it's been helpful to have skin in the game because a lot of agents don't personally invest, and they, you know, they they don't really know the market in terms of like, would you buy this? Or how can you find, you know, does this property already have, cause I kind of walk in something and like, okay, where, where could you add some equity? Like wh- what could you do? <laughs> yeah. Like my mind instantly is like, okay, just by doing this, I think you could easily get, you know, 10,000 profit when you sell it, if you just did this. So you kind of have that when you see something, I think you look at it from a different lens mm. versus just, you know, and as your own home, it, it's the value that it is to you is what you pay for it. But when you're looking at in terms from an investment side, which is kind of just the way my mind works when I do buy properties is like, how can I, 
is there an opportunity here to add value? What are the easy ways to add value? Um, I think a lot of it is, um, you know, just like I went yesterday with some clients and looked at a house and the kitchen was kind of boxed off and it was just probably like a, maybe it was built in a 2000, but I was like, if you just take this, this wall out right here, I guarantee you like the amount of equity you would add. And it, it was an easy thing. It wasn't a load bearing wall, but it was just the way it was kind of boxed off. And then, um, you know, so opening things up a little bit does help. And then just paint does miracles. I mean, alone paint is a miracle worker. I've, I've gone into a house before I had listed it and I'll tell them, I'm like, if you just do these, these three things, I guarantee you, you will make an extra $50,000 and we sell it. So, and it's not much, you know, but painting cabinets in the kitchen that are dated, which is an easy, and even like sometimes you can change the doors without, if they're, if they're dated kind of curved yeah. doors, just changing the fronts is a big game changer. Um, and just easy ways. And when you're doing flips, you're always looking for ways that are a little bit more affordable that will bring a lot of, um, value. So, um, flooring obviously is huge and just updating lighting. Lighting is massive. I mean, I listed a house recently and I was like, let's just go and spend $500 and redo all your lights. And I guarantee you, you're going to make a lot more when you sell. So it really? works. You know? Yeah. Just lighting. Lighting is huge. That's so mm-hmm. wild. Yeah. You would think that people would, would see past that, but <laughs> it just makes it feel current and it makes it feel updated and, and lighting. You really, I mean, you can get Amazon or Wayfair. I mean, so local, there's cute little local shops that have darling lighting. I mean, there's ways to get affordable lighting too. Do you find for a lot of properties, is it, do people still prefer hard surfaces like your laminates or hardwood flooring or does that not matter as much? I think that's a, that's really a good, a good investment for sure. Yeah. People yeah. love, love that engineered wood floor or, or laminate. Yeah. It okay. So good. if you walked into a house and it was like super, super dark, has a bunch of walls, it's very boxed off. The kitchen's a little bit dated and mm-hmm. the landscaping needs some work. Mm-hmm. and you had like, say $20,000, how would you personally prioritize that? I mean, I think kitchen is always, you know, kitchen and bathrooms are where your, your money makers. So I would say those are the, the most important. And I, I always think light, like adding good light in the house makes a big difference. Um, but when I always, if I'm meeting with a client and I'm like, we're going to look at houses, I tell them, what's your top five? What, what are the top mm-hmm. five things you want in a house? And they might say, you know, I really want to, a uh, shower in the master or they have these specific criteria and I'll say, well, narrow it down to three. And so for me, like if someone asked me like, what do I want in a home? I mean, number one for me is always location. I just, I buy all my properties on location. Uh, I would rather be in an area that is, is not great. That's accessible to part, you know, walking or hiking or those things are really totally. than um, like the size of the home. And then I'd say number two would be natural light. Cause that's just something you really can't change in a home. And some homes just feel dark and I just like light, light, bright and airy. And then I, I would say three would be a tie between hardwood floors or fireplace. Cause those are two things that I just, Same. I love. Yeah. I love Same. in a home. Oh, yeah. they're the best. So, right. Mm-hmm. And then, okay. Like if you have crappy landscaping, maybe the curb appeal is not so great, but you don't have a huge budget. Is there a couple like quick things that you would do in like a flip to make it look a little bit more appealing? Yeah. I mean, my, well, we're right now on the one that we're doing, it's hard like this time of year because the ground is hard and we're, I mean, we're hoping to have it done three weeks ago and it's not <laughs> gone as planned. That's one thing you got to account for is like timing. If there's contractors are delayed or things come up. So, um, once the ground freezes, it, it also limits what you can do. So, I mean, 
bark, bark does miracles. So I'd say bark for sure cleans things up and just makes it look fresh and then potted flowers. So we're doing kind of on this one, what we can, I'm adding shutters, some cute, like modern wood shutters and then new numbers and light and just trying to make it the curb appeal in the front because there's, there's, and trimming up the bushes, just whatever you can do with what you have, um, helps. So that's good tips. I I think a lot of times we think it needs to be this like drastic, I have to hire a landscaper and like overhaul everything, but that's good to hear. Is that pretty like universal across the board too, for every state? I think so. I mean, I think in general, it's like, what, what is the overall big picture in the field in the home? And I, we just, I just went to a house recently that was kind of a flip gone wrong. It was a, um, oh no, somebody was wanting to look at this house and it looked really cute in the photos inside, but then you just saw that it was like, everything was just a little bit like not quite there. Like they didn't, they kept some of the old, but then remodeled some of the new. And I think it's like, if you're going to do it, you almost have to have that cohesive feel where everything feels updated. Makes a big difference. So fully agree. So the house I live in right now, I bought this, uh, forever ago. And I started to like recently like renovate things mm-hmm. and all of my downstairs is so dang cute. And I have not done hardly anything upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. every time, like, wow, you can really tell like 10 years makes a difference. Isn't it amazing. Yeah. You've done an amazing job. I loved your stair. Yeah. I mean, everything you've done. Is that crazy? Your deck, I followed the whole thing. I oh, love I it. love it. Yeah. Yeah. The deck was, that was a bigger That's project a than project. I expected. And you do it yourself. I'm, I mean, you're amazing. Oh, I mean, I'm sure you do a lot of that too. So. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I get worn out. I'm like, I started paying and then I told my husband, I'm like, oh, let's do this. And then I get halfway and I'm like, I can't, I'm done. I'm done. Th- this is the difference between like nine houses versus one, you know? <laughs> so I'd say that's probably know. what's going on. It's hard, but no, it's fun. It's fun. How do you get your kids involved in the process? They, yeah. Oh gosh. They, they definitely end up doing stuff because they're <laughs> like, we, we flipped a house that was, um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. It was 4,000 square feet, single level on five acres. And it was a big project. I mean, the land itself was a lot to, cause it had been really over overgrown and hadn't been taken care of. So they came, I mean, every Saturday we're there like working on the yard and helping move stuff. And yeah, so they're, they're troopers. They come along for, they're, they're part of it for sure. That's awesome. How old are your kids now? Um, Well, our one daughter just went, to college. So she's at NAU oh, so in the honors here. program there. And then we have one that's at Boise high. He's a um, sophomore. And then we had a, a seventh grader at North. So, Oh my goodness. Yeah. And they're in college. Yeah. yeah. How's the COVID going for you guys? Are you guys doing okay? It's been, I mean, they started school two days a week, which has been nice, but they've been really doing good. I think because they're older and they're pretty independent, the school has, they've done a great job. So that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought I recalled you saying one of your houses that you purchased was 900 square feet. Is that the case? That was the first one we bought. Yeah. Tiny little North end. The first house that we bought 22 okay. years ago, I think it's been. Oh, so yeah. did you, you, did you have kids at that time? We had that for two years or three years. And then I had our first daughter pregnant, got pregnant, had her got first it. and then we moved. So it was kind of like, and big enough to have one, you know, one kid out and then it was getting a little tight. Yeah. Yeah. Friend. I thought you were saying you had like three kids at that time. I'm like, holy yeah, crap. Yeah, how'd you yeah, do that? Yeah. But I, I mean, you can make it work. I'm, I, I'm telling you, you know, I think, I think as Americans too, sometimes we don't like being uncomfortable, but I think that's part of it. And even like with the Airbnb people, like, how do you do that? And I'm like, you just have to like, in the long, it's worth it, but it is, it is uncomfortable at times where it's like, I don't want to have to run over and check on things. Right. You know, it's, but I think it's having that bigger mindset of like, but what the value it's bringing and, you know, 
it, to me, it's worth it. I, I just look at it as yeah. like an opportunity. I think this is so cool. So before we officially start wrapping up, I, I want to know a little bit about the numbers and not necessarily your numbers, but how you analyze a property. Mm-hmm. So are there any little quick calculations or spreadsheets or like, like how do you do this for yourself? For, I should for- have a better see. And I, this is like, you're a numbers <laughs> person. And I mean, I think for me, like real estate, so much gut that sometimes I'm like, okay, I just know this is such a good deal. Like you just, it's good to hear I mean, though. Come up. And obviously the price per square foot helps when you look at it and you're like, gosh, this is really low. It's, you know, 115 a square foot. Like I have to buy this. Um, but usually I do just try to figure out like how much money we have in savings that we can put into a property and then like what I want to, what the purchase price is. And then just knowing what my costs are going to be. So I do have kind of a rough, rough sketch that I do that breaks down. Like if I have to replace the HVAC system, that's going to be 20,000. And I just kind of like roughly ballpark everything that I have to do. Like my painting, you just start to know kind of what it's going to cost from doing a few, you know, quite a few that you can estimate like the bathroom might be between three and 5,000. So then you, and that's just for like a budget bathroom and then figure out the flooring costs might be, you know, $10 a square foot. So you kind of get those all down, those numbers. And then um, knowing kind of basically what a rough would cost all those, those items and then add it up. And then of course add a big chunk of the unknown and then see if it still makes sense because, you know, we've gotten some and I've got it under contract. And once I run the numbers, I'm just like, this just isn't worth this. Like, and you also have to decide, like, is this worth doing this big project to make 20,000? Is it even worth yeah. it? Or am I going to have five months into this and I'm going to make a hundred thousand and it's like, do it, you know, it's, it's totally worth it. So it just depends on the numbers and the margins because the margins are really where you have to make sure that it makes sense. Do you personally have like, okay, so this is kind of a weird analogy, but for flipping furniture, when I first started, I said $25 minimum profit. If it can't yeah. at least give me yeah. that, I'm not interested. Totally. Do you yeah. do the same thing with, with real estate too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, definitely. If it's, there's some, and I've seen some good deals and they've come, you know, they've come to my way. And if the timing's not right, or if I feel like, gosh, I just don't know, you know, if it's going to be, if it's worth the amount of work that it, and the one I just bought, I was on the fence for like a week. I'm like, should I do this? Should I not? Like I was struggling. I'm like, and usually I'm like instantly I know, but I was like, oh, but um, I think it'll end up being, being a good one, but it's, it is, there are, it, it's risk. Real estate is risk, but there's also a big reward. So I think it's one of those things, like you have to have an ability to take a risk in order to make a profit. It's just, that's just part of it. And you learn along the way. I think we all, that's part of life too, is like when you get in and you get into it, then you do learn from it. But mm-hmm. for me, like being in the trenches of real estate has helped me because, you know, I think a lot of people are, have like their toes in it and they dabble in it. But when you're in it every single day and that's live, breathe, you, that's what you do. You start to really know you have a pulse on the market. So you know exactly where things are at, you know, what people are looking for, you know, like, okay, this neighborhood, I just saw a house last week go for this. I know I can get that on this property. So it's almost like more about kind of being in it and knowing it than necessarily um, an exact spreadsheet probably that I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And it's like that constant exposure of your scene. I think it's also really fun too. I I can imagine when you're working with clients, especially in like the luxury market, if they're buying houses, like no problem, $2 million, $3 million. Yeah. It probably puts that into perspective too, where you're like, okay, and I'm over here complaining about a $300,000 house. Like- <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, and, and I think it's also just, you know, working with a lot of investors and they're like, you're going to wish five years from now you bought real estate. And oh, like, so you're going to regret it. And it, they're like, people are like, it's so expensive. And, and 
but yet I'm working with these investors that are just like, trust me on this. Like you're going to regret it. And so I think I, I have that mindset because I'm working with a lot of people that are investing. And so you start to realize like, I should be investing where I live. Like this is, I love where I live. I love, um, I just cl- actually am closing tomorrow on a $3.9 million property cash buyer. And wow. you see like Boise, I mean, Eagle, all these areas, it, it is changing. And I think, you know, there's a lot of opportunity. It's, it's an incredible opportunity. And I feel very, very blessed that I bought my house, but same as you, I'm, I'm wishing I would have been way more aggressive with buying real estate when it was yeah. cheaper. Well, and sometimes like, you know, you can, and maybe even it's like, there's a mindset of, you know, you have a nice house and you have a lot of equity. There's an opportunity, even if you're like, I'm going to sell my house and buy two houses. Like I'm going to downsize instead of upgrade. Like I'm going to actually sell my home, buy something smaller that needs fixed up and buy rental. Like that would be more my mindset where I'd be like, do that. And then you have now have two homes and then, you know, eventually you could sell one of them and then kind of do that for a little bit and then get into your dream home or, you know, it's so smart. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. I don't think I've ever heard anybody actually say that. Most I mean, people are like, oh, I always, always upgrading. Yeah. <laughs> but I this just think if you can you. get two homes at, instead of one and then know that, you know, the equity you're making on both those homes, I mean, you can retire. It's kind of like, yeah, I think it's just finding ways to, um, and, and I do, I do think with traveling and, and being like in Europe and these little tiny darling apartments in Italy, you realize like Americans have this mentality of like, they need these big you know, I, I just realized, I think, you, you know, everyone's different and they can, d- different things bring joy to different people. So it just is a matter kind of of your goals and what you're trying to accomplish. But you're so right though. It is that mindset of, we need everything to be bigger here. And yeah, it's like that comes at an expense too. And sometimes that means you can't retire as early as you would like, or you don't have as much cash flow. And yeah, I, I feel that in my soul, my friend, I get it. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think, and, and in terms of like, you know, buying a $20,000 car or putting $20,000 on an investment property, you know, there's, there's ways that you can build, um, but it's choices. I guess it's like, you, you know, knowing that everything's a choice one way or another, but what, yeah. what makes sense. And everyone has, it makes sense for different for everyone. There's not mm-hmm. a one I'm all about like you do you, everyone's got what works for them. And I definitely don't have anything figured out by any means. I mean, I'm every day just trying to kind of see what might work and yeah. I've learned and grown along the way and made a lot of mistakes. You know, you just, you figure it out as you go. You Life so. goes on either way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. I know there's a ton of people that listen to this show that have reached out to me too. And they're like, I want to move to Boise. Tell me like the good areas. How do they get in touch with you if they want to hire you as an agent or learn oh, more yeah. about the market? Well, I mean, Instagram, I, I get a lot of clients on Instagram or my website, but I do work with a ton of relocation and, um, you know, luxury and then investors, those are kind of the areas that I do a lot in. But um, yes, I mean, I work with right now, I mean, I'm probably half my clients are out of, from out of state. So a lot of relocation. I like it. I like mm-hmm. it. All right, my friend, are you down for some rapid fire questions yeah. before we officially part ways? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. First question for you. What's one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Gosh. <laughs> You're like, I'll oh, buy you. I'm not a, I'm not a rap. I made my life better. I don't know. I love food. So I, I think any, any, that's always my happy is a good meal. So probably I'd say that. I like it. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> okay. So I, I'm obsessed with people's morning routines. So tell me what is your current morning routine? Oh my gosh, I am the most unroutine person ever, but, um, I like to, my mornings are my quiet, like have a cup of coffee, 
decompress. That's probably like the one hour in the day. I'm just like really enjoying my mornings before a crazy day. So I wouldn't say it's super organized. I always have coffee. I can guarantee that. That's like my one routine I do. (laughs) I don't work out every day. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not like, I, I wish I was better at a routine, but I'm not. I like it though. I mean, okay. for your coffee, are you like a black coffee drinker or do you have to use creamer? Um, I do love a little bit of cream, but I, I, I love we, right now our favorite coffee, the push and pour has an Ethiopian blend. That's amazing. That's our, our go-to. Oh, mm-hmm. I haven't tried theirs yet. I'll have to really pick good. up a bag. Good yes, to know. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've traveled a lot. So tell me where's one location you're dying to travel to. Um, I want to go to the Maldives um, in Sri Lanka, we had t- tickets to Belize and then had to cancel our trip right during COVID. So yeah, I would love to go to Belize too, but anywhere I haven't been, I, w- I would love to go. I I'd love traveling is like my happy for so sure. Awesome. I respect that a lot. Okay. My last question for you, in your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? I think living on less for sure. Um, that's just always been, you know, I never, I, I always try to, we live, have lived the same, whether my salary goes up or not. I feel like we've tried to live the same way and, um, tr- you know, I enjoy life, but to try to live simple. So for me, that's what, that's what's worked. And then I think investing, you know, if you have extra and you're able to invest and I, of course, I always think real estate is one of the safest and, and easiest ways to make, you know, good investment. I love it. Katie, thank you so much for your time. It was really fun chatting with you. Thank you. All right. What'd you think? I love this episode. I specifically loved how Katie shared that we can really take one house, sell it, buy one house that's even cheaper, and then buy another one too. I thought that was such great advice. And usually when we think of properties, we think of leveling up from the sense of increasing your cost of living instead of how do I spread it out between more properties to build wealth even faster. I would be super curious to hear what your takeaways were. Take a screenshot of this. Tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co and let me know what really stood out to you i'd love to see your takeaways and who's listening and it's always super fun to connect with you thank you so much for tuning in i will see you on friday for five tip friday or next week for another episode of the money nerds podcast bye